The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. This week's episode is dedicated to being first. This is my interview with Tony Breidinger, and the topic of this episode is winning at first. Tony Breidinger is a professional stock car racing driver. She grew up in California and at the age of nine went on an unassuming trip to the go-kart track with her father and her sister. They had such a good time that before long, the family had purchased carts of their own for the sisters to race. The rest is truly history, and it is indeed history in the making. Tony was the first all-time winningest female in the United States Auto Club with 19 wins in her history. She is of Lebanese and German descent, and there has never before been a female Arab-American NASCAR driver. Kudos to her. And so she is the first to claim this honor and hopefully to begin this legacy, which she obviously is doing. She joins me via StreamYard today to discuss speed, pressure, and the exhilaration of the win. Welcome, Tony. Congratulations on all of your success. And thank you for becoming a beautiful member of the Forever Fab community. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. That was an amazing introduction. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'll write it up for you and I'll send it to your PR people. You may have it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's, let's get going. Now, what was going through your mind, if you remember, as you raced those go-karts with your sister that ultimately led you to choose racing as a career? Yeah, I loved it at such a young age. I loved racing. I thought just the thrill of being out there on the track was the best thing ever. And the fact that I got to do it with my best friend and my twin sister, Annie, just made it so much more amazing. And we just spent, you know, multiple hours at a time at the go-kart track. We used to do no less than 100 laps. Every time we went there, we would check how many laps we did. Um, and we never got tired of it. We just loved it. And I think it just that sense of independence, just driving out there on the track by myself. I feel like I got a sense of freedom, which I loved. Um, and then just like the thrill of the competition. And then uh, me and my sister have always been a little bit competitive towards each other. So we kind of pushed each other every time we we're out there. Um, so yeah, I have really, really great memories from that. It sounds like it's a passion. And if you didn't initially know it was a passion, it obviously felt it because I asked you the question and your response just, you know, the energy just kept building and building. So it's obviously something that you're super passionate about. Definitely. Yeah. I wouldn't keep doing this if I was. And I always say, you know, the biggest thing is do things that make you happy. For me, I feel like I'm not even working. I feel like it's not even a job. Yes, it's hard, but it's what I'm so passionate about. And I don't care about the obstacles. I'm not gonna let that stop me just because of how passionate I am. 
And I'm sure that extends into the rest of your life and not just racing. So for those of us who aren't familiar with start, stock car driving, um, give us the basics. Tell us what we need to know. You obviously get in the car and you go fast, but give us a few more details. Yeah, so there's many different forms of motorsports. I would say, you know, the ones that people are most familiar with are NASCAR, which is really big in America. Um, and then obviously, you know, like Formula One and then IndyCar racing is somewhat popular as well. So those, those are really the top three forms of motorsports um, that are popular. Um, and basically the NASCAR ladder system right now, working my way up through those ranks. Um, so, yeah, I'm basically competing in the NASCAR series, which is um, a stock car. They don't have open wheels like Formula One, and we race on primarily oval circuits, some road courses. Um, I did a couple dirt races this year as well, but for the most part, I'm usually turning left. Um, <laughs> yeah, on different size tracks all across America. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm competing in right now. Do you go to other sort of types of races so that you can enhance your craft or sort of, you know, put little nuances onto the way that you drive or your strategy for driving? So do, do, do you go to F1? I, I believe there was one in Austin recently, right? Um, do, yeah. do you go to Indy? So what does your, what does your strategy entail? Yeah, I love every type of form of motorsports. I think there's something that you can take away from every form. Um, and even growing up, you know, going from go-karts, I used to race on small road courses. And going from those go-karts um, to eventually oval tracks was a change that I felt like I was able to carry over some things that I learned from those road courses in my go-kart days. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's always something that you can take from every type of motorsports and just kind of apply it to what you're doing for sure. Awesome. Now describe your typical work day. So, or practice day, you wake up in the morning and go. So describe that for us. Yeah. So I would say a typical day in my life is I like to wake up early. Um, usually around 5am I'm really big on getting enough sleep. So if I'm going to sleep late, then I won't try to wake up super early. Um, <laughs> I think that's like important to balance, but usually I wake up at five in the morning. I'll get on my Peloton or do a little run and, you know, get some cardio in and then I'll kind of like get my day started if I have press and interviews um, that kind of changes up my day a little bit. But I'll go to my team shop. We'll go over data from the past race and kind of, you know, talk about the past race and set goals for the next races. Um, and then I also go to my trainer every day. We do physical training and kind of like mental training as well. So I kind of mix that into my day. And yeah, I really feel like no day is the same. It always kind of depends, you know, if I'm traveling that week, where my race is at and all that kind of stuff. So I always feel like every day is kind of new and a surprise. That is pretty exciting. Now you describe training as both physical and mental. Let's get into the mental a little bit more. How do you keep your mind right Right. Knowing that there's a lot of um, pressure on athletes and mm -hmm. for sure you are an athlete, especially now that um, things are a bit um, actually much more open to discuss. Athletes are coming out and saying, listen, I'm feeling pressured. I'm not ready. Um, I, you know, this is a lot. So how do you keep your mind right? Yeah, you know, there is a lot of pressure on us like every other athlete. You know, there's pressure to perform on yourself and by yourself, but also, you know, from your team members and the people that have been helping you get to that point, you're doing it for yourself. But also there's so many other people involved that you want to do it for and you want to succeed for. Um, so at the end of the day, it is a lot of pressure. Um, but for me, you know, surrounding myself with a good team and good people, it's really important that I'm surrounding myself with 
people who really lift me up. If I do kind of feel discouraged, like during like a day where I'm racing, it's important that I have somebody there to kind of like be my cheerleader and kind of lift me up out of that weird kind of mindset. Cause it's all mindset. I mean, if you're not confident and you don't feel like you're going to go out there and win, you're just not going to do well, it's not going to happen. So I just think that's super important. Um, and yeah, just surrounding yourself with solid people and, you know, setting goals for yourself. And I think it's also important to set, you know, little baby milestone goals. Um, you don't have to just set like one huge goal for me. I feel like it makes me feel better if I set smaller goals throughout the day that I can achieve. And it kind of like boosts up your confidence a little bit as well. So I think, you know, setting goals, you know, long-term, but also short-term goals that are a little bit easier to get to are important and kind of keep you going. So win first at the small goals and gradually build up to the hashtag major win. Yeah. And it's, it just feels good to check something off the list. Even if it's yeah. something that's somewhat small, just like makes yourself feel good. Like you feel like you're making progress. And I feel like it's very overwhelming to set one big goal. Like everyone wants to go out there and win. But if I just set that goal every single weekend and focus on results and not yeah. execution, then I'm not going to get the results. The results you can't really control, but you can control your execution. I love that. And I can definitely relate because especially in the past, I'm, I'm a big goal setter and I love making lists. And, um, you know, as a physician, you could imagine I was like, yep, med school, yep, residency one, residency two, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but nowadays it's like, okay, let me just, you know, do this one webinar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me get through some small goals. And obviously you keep accumulating those. Now, knowing that the field of um, all, any actually race car driving is, male dominated, did you experience any gender discrimination? And if you if you did, how did you handle it? Yeah, you know, I feel like growing up, you know, I had my twin sister, Annie, you know, with me through that. So I feel like growing up, I really didn't see myself as any different. I still don't mm -hmm. see myself as different. I always say, you know, as soon as the helmet comes on, I'm a driver just like everyone else. Gender doesn't matter. Once you're behind the wheel, the car doesn't know gender, the track doesn't know gender. So it's so relevant, but you do run into people you know, who will discriminate you and who will look at you differently just because of your gender. Um, and I think it's important to really just try to brush it off. And it's hard sometimes. And, you know, it's hard when people are making comments, but you really can't let it get to you. And, you know, for me, as soon as I'm in the race car, it's pretty easy for me to get focused. Like nothing else crosses my mind um, besides, you know, the race that's ahead of me. But I feel like the days where my gets me are kind of like the off days when you're kind of mm -hmm. like scrolling through social media. Oh. Um, so I think it's just important to brush it off and just know your values, know your worth. And, you know, if you keep your goals in mind and just stay focused, I think that's kind of like the best way to help it not get to you. But also it's normal to feel down if a comment does get to you. I feel like sometimes people make it seem like you always have to be super strong, but yeah. um, it's totally normal. I'll be upset by comments sometimes and then I'll be able to like laugh at them like a week later, but it's okay to get upset about it sometimes. So it's, that sounds completely healthy. So mm -hmm. it sounds as if you're able to use that adversity actually and have it serve as an advantage. It's like, okay, this is mm -hmm. making me upset. But once I get in there, helmet on, you know, pedal to the metal, it's on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You have to use it as fuel to your fire for sure. I love that. Now, car racing is indeed an expensive sport. Mm -hmm. And you, from what I understand, you need some pretty serious funding in order to compete and especially to compete on, on the world's racetracks, which you do. So how do you tackle fundraising? 
yeah, so racing is a pay-to-play sport. If you don't get that funding, you don't get to get out there on the track. You really don't get to practice. Mm. So it's kind of this difficult cycle to break. And, you know, I feel like us female race car drivers, we still fall under that category of female athletes who feel like they're underfunded. It's hard to get that big manufacturer support. It's hard to get support from big companies. Um, so it's difficult, but that's why I'm like very grateful for the companies and brands that have supported me this year. Um, obviously cause they're supporting me, but the fact that they believe in female athletes is amazing. Um, I had FP movement and hair club and trailer on my car this past weekend at Kansas. So it's great to have brands like that, that just believe in you and believe in female athletes. I feel like that's so important. Yeah. And you have some alignment actually with beauty companies. I mean, it's for obvious reasons. I mean, you are a living legacy and not only that, you're beautiful. Hello. And you're also a fan of beauty and you clearly embody it. You've collaborated with um, some beauty brands, right? On, on makeup or skincare. Now tell me how those opportunities came about and are you using those relationships to be able to leverage some fundraising out of those relationships? Yeah. So basically my first, um, big sponsorship was with Huda and her company Huda Beauty. She was Wonderful. really the first brand to really, you know, take initiative and believe in me and be like, hey, we want to help this girl out. She's doing something that we think is really inspiring and can help others. Um, so they were really one of the first brands to help me out and believe in me and believe in what I'm doing. They sponsored me at my Talladega race. Um, it was a few months ago. Wonderful. And um, it was really a dream come true. I've always loved Huda. You know, there is there's so many makeup brands to reach out to, but she was like the first one that came to mind because I grew up watching her makeup videos and tutorials. I always loved her makeup. I used to just wear like her eyelashes and her eyeshadow <laughs> all the time. Um, so she was really the first one that came to my mind. And I was just like, what if, you know, we just send an email and see yeah. like what happens. And they answered us, you know, pretty fast. And I was got all excited and I was trying not to get my hopes up. Um, but yeah, they were just like, we love the story. We want to help you out. Let's see what Huda thinks and Huda got on board. And, um, yeah, that was it. It was really amazing. It was a crazy experience. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite schemes that we had this year on the car. And yeah, it was definitely a dream come true to race at Talladega, but also to have, um, Huda who I really look up to and her brand on there. That is fantastic. How exciting. Another dream come true. You've actually also done some work with, um, in, in the fashion industry, you've done some modeling specifically with uh, Tori Birch and Skims. Am I right about that? Yes, correct. And I actually have a new campaign coming out with Free People's FP Movement. Oh, um, really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And as you said, you value freedom because that's the feeling that you get when you're in the car. So there's total alignment with that brand. Exactly. Yeah, no, I love I love FP Movement and what they stand for. And um, they're just so supportive of female athletes. So it's really amazing. I feel like we have, you know, the same goals and same morals. And I honestly love their stuff. I always tell my friends, you guys have to like get on this brand. It's so good. I don't just say it because I'm their ambassador. Right. Um, honestly, like their stuff is seriously my favorite. Super, super comfortable. Yeah, it is pretty cool. So what else do you love about fashion besides comfort and free people movement? Yeah, you know, I feel like fashion's a way for you to express yourself. And I really don't feel like I have a specific type of style. I feel like one day I'll wake up and I'll be like, I feel kind of edgy today. The next day I just go for comfort. Another day I might just be like, hey, I want to wear like a skirt, which is very, very rare. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like fashion is just a great way to express yourself and how you're feeling. And um, I love it. I love fashion. I love keeping up with the trends and um, yeah, I'm not one to kind of try to fit into a typical like norm of how to dress. I don't really care if I stand out. I'm like, if that's what I feel confident in, I think that's what you should be wearing. Absolutely. Now, speaking of 
fitting and being comfortable. What about those track suits? I mean, I presume they have to get them custom made. <laughs> yeah. So um, Sparco is the brand that I work with on that and they do all my suits. They're all custom, um, which is great because when I was younger, you know, most of the suits are fitted for guys. So Clearly. <laughs> when I was a kid, these suits would never fit me right. And we'd have to go take them to the tailor afterwards yeah. and try to fix them up. But yeah, it's amazing. They have like custom suits and also a woman's cut suit and things that actually fit females, which is amazing because um, growing up, I didn't always have, I even just like the undergarments that we wear, they always used to fit me so awkward and um, everything in general has always fit so awkward for yeah. a guy. Um, so yeah, I love Sparco. They help me with the suits, but yeah, on a hot day, they're a little rough to wear because <laughs> they're super thick and we have all those layers on. Um, but yeah, no, they're great. Wonderful. And let me ask you if you have numbers on your car. And if you do, is there any significance to them for you? Do you get to choose your number or are you assigned one? Yeah. So in NASCAR, the team owns certain numbers. So you can't just say, oh, I like the number 80. I'm going to go be number 80 because a different team might own that number. And some people will pay like a lot of money to get that number for a race or you know, try to buy it off of someone else. So people are pretty like intense about their numbers in NASCAR. Um, you can't just say like, you can't just choose a random number. Most people just own numbers. Um, so this past few races, I've been the number 25 and 55 because those are the numbers that my team owns. And I believe for my next race, I'll be the 55. But growing up, I was always 80, but oh. I can't really just be that number anymore. It's not really how NASCAR works. Well, maybe someone will sponsor you to get that number back. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag 80. We'll start an 80 yes. movement for you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and let's, uh, I have an interesting question, I think. Are you more proud of your speed and what you've accomplished or your determination and what you have yet to accomplish? Oh, I just made that up. I, I kind of like that. Yes, no, I like that. Um, I always say I feel like I haven't accomplished anything. You know, I know I've accomplished things, but that's not nearly, you know, what I want to accomplish. I want to accomplish so much more. Um, so I would definitely say proud of my determination and what I'm going to accomplish because I know it's going to be a lot bigger than what I've done. Okay. We are waiting and excited for that. And we will certainly have you back on this Forever Fab podcast to discuss. Yes. <laughs> You've described your typical day, which is atypical in terms of what you do to prepare for a race. Um, and you've described how focused you are once you are behind the wheel. What actually goes through your mind as you're racing, as you're making those left turns and increasing your speed? Yeah, it really depends on the situation. You know, if I'm passing somebody, the only thing going through my mind is, okay, what can I do in this next turn to overtake them? Where are their weaknesses? If I'm behind somebody, I'm thinking about their weaknesses and where I'm better before I even get to them. Um, so you always are kind of like strategizing. You always have a plan. You have your spotter communicating to you as well. So a lot of things that go through my mind is what my spotter says to me, um, whether that's coaching or letting me know where someone else is on the track or just reading me lap times. I always have something going through my mind. And sometimes it feels like it's a million things going through my mind at one time, but um, yeah, you know, if somebody's in front of me, just, you know, how can I get to that person? Or if you're leading the race, you know, hitting your marks and making sure you're running like good times and you also want to pace yourself. You don't want to be too much faster and use up your tires. Um, so I definitely think, you know, that communication with your spotter and just listening to them as much as possible is really important. 
And the spotter is the person in your ear, correct? In your yeah, earpiece. Yeah, exactly. They're on like a tower so they can see the entire racetrack from an angle that no one else can see. Um, they'll basically kind of, you know, tell you everything that you need to know. Yeah, excellent. Now, you said that while you are racing, you have a lot of things on your mind, but then you bring those thoughts back and you get mm -hmm. back to focusing. That actually sounds a lot like meditation, right? Mm -hmm. Because your thoughts are going all over the place and, and then you bring your thoughts back or not to have any thoughts with your breath. Would you describe your driving as a sort of meditation for you? Yeah, it's funny because I've had people ask me before if I meditate. I'm like, I really like I've tried. <laughs> I can't I either fall asleep or I get anxious to the point of where I just cannot meditate. Um, but yeah, you know, as soon as that engine turns on for, for me, all like any kind of thought, anything else that's going through my head just disappears. As soon yeah. as that engine's on, it's like this switch just flips in my head and I just get entirely just hyper focused on mm. the race ahead. Yeah. So it's like an active meditation. So mm -hmm. the next time someone asks you, do you yeah. meditate? You say, you say yes, but not quite the way you think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. And meditation is different for everyone, right? In mm -hmm. my opinion, it's whatever gets you to that place where you can just be mm -hmm. right. That's pretty cool. Now I describe, um, for me, like the, the feeling of winning at anything, right. Is exhilarating. Yeah. We've, we've discussed what you do to prepare for a race. You just answered a question about how you are during a race. Now describe the feeling of winning at the end of the race. What goes through your mind then? Yeah. Winning so rewarding. And you know, that's definitely, you know, that's the end goal for everybody. Everybody wants to win at the end of the day, but for me, like, you know, there's obviously like winning position wise, but you can also have wins with your team. I mean, you could be leading the race every single lap and then have a tire go out and like, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I feel like you have to still look at, you know, different things that you achieved with your team as like little wins as well. Um, so yeah, I feel like after every race, even if I don't, you know, physically cross the checker line first. I feel like me and my team always have these little wins, which I think is important to look at as well. Um, but yeah, if you do cross the checker line first, that is amazing. It's the best feeling ever. Um, it's so rewarding. It's what you've been working towards. And for me, I was always kind of funny about celebrating wins. I'm always like, okay, I'm just ready and like ready to focus on the next one. I never took too long to celebrate. I'm like, okay, it's good for like the night, you know, celebrate that night. And then um, next morning, okay, let's focus on the next one. Um, but yeah, wins are super, super rewarding. That's what you're working towards. Absolutely. Well, we hope you keep winning and I'm sure you will. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to part one of the forever fab mm -hmm. podcast with my fabulous guest, Tony Breidinger. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of forever fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living and all things beauty curated by Dr. Shirley Madeer, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.